All right, hi there. Hey, hi, how do we do this? That was a straight hiatus. Where are you from? I'm from hiatus, Massachusetts. Where are you from? But yeah, that was a real hiatus. Okay, already a word that doesn't sound right on my ears. Happens to all of us. We just say a word once in a while and you go, is that the right word? Hiatus? But yeah, that's a hiatus. Way too much going on. Way too much. I got a laundry list of excuses of why I couldn't find a sliver of time. Highly doubt you're interested in any of them, but here we go. In-laws visiting. Hey, so nice. Welcome. Thanks for helping out with the girls, but no room. There's just no room. There's no posh podcast studio to slip into. It's just one man with his microphone trying to find a little space. Couldn't find it. Started this podcast in 2018. I've always been able to find it. Couldn't find it lately. My mind, too busy. The world, too heavy. You too? Is this relatable? Things a little too heavy lately for you? Of course they are. I don't know why. There's a lot of good things happening in the world, but the beginning of the school year, newborn with needs, wildfire smoke is in the air. Can I blame wildfire smoke? Sure. Still very much in this pandemic on the Delta surge. It's just the hamster wheel of life right now. It's just all the things happening at once. And I know I would complain if it were the opposite. If it was too slow, if it was too monotonous, if it was too dull, then I'm complaining about that. But right now, holy shit, I'm in it, baby. The eye of the storm. Yesterday, with everything going on, everything going on, I got a loaner car as my car is being serviced. They gave me a loaner car. And uh, yeah, the car broke down. The engine just stopped. I just slowly pulled to the side of the road. As I stood there, I want to say stranded, but of course we have cell phones, but it's more dramatic. I stood there stranded and I looked up at the heavens and I said, fuck you, fuck you. That's not a joke. It's like the first 20 minutes of that old movie falling down with Michael Douglas. Have you seen it from the early nineties? You know, that movie falling down with Michael Douglas, the first 20 minutes where you're on that violent journey with him and you're just like, I get it. I get it. The confluence of events that is causing this guy to lose his fucking mind. It takes the viewer into that weird headspace too, where you're like, yeah, go baby. Go Michael Douglas. That was me stranded on the side of the road yesterday in the wildfire smoke in the midst of a pandemic, knowing I was late to see my daughters without a chance for any meditation, no fitness, no exercise. Wouldn't be recording a podcast for a few weeks, which I think is sharp for my brain. I think it keeps me organized in a weird way can you be addicted to doing your own podcast i just need where's the microphone i just need to wrap my body in the microphone cord i just need to put up episode 152 i just need i just need a taste i just need a taste of episode 152 just let me say some things let me say some things i'm gonna say some things i'm gonna get to it i'm not complaining i'm not right now i finally reached a mindset where i'm good i'm good however there have been two Massive tragedies in my world recently. One at the school I work at on the very first day, we just got awful news, unfathomable news, just so sad, revolving around the world of mental health for teens. And then one of my close friends is dealing with an incredible tragedy right now connected to COVID-19. 
and I'll get more into it perhaps in future podcasts, but without really getting into the details right now, it's just wild to think about how many things have happened in the last few weeks that feel heavy. Yet you just say, all right, I guess we're all resilient. I mean, if you study history or if you have any tragedies happening within your own group of friends or family, you do have to just put your faith into the human condition being resilient, that we bounce back. It's in the survival wiring. And I know where I first learned this. When I was student teaching at Redwood High School, I was in charge of my first World War II and Holocaust unit, and I got a hold of a Holocaust survivor, a local guy by the name of Herbert Heller, and asked him to speak to my students. And he came in, and he told his whole story. He's probably told it hundreds of times. And the whole time I'm thinking, what kind of pain is at the surface as he's conveying his story to these teenagers of how he survived, how he escaped the concentration camp, how he got to America and started a new life. I mean, I'm so emotionally impacted by this man's story. And then I walked him to his car afterwards and he's telling me jokes. He's all smiles. He's truly a happy man. And he just proved to me that people bounce back. Isn't that crazy? People that can survive these atrocities where they're just ripped away from their lives, never to see family members again. They can continue. They can continue. I know a lot of health professionals have worked with trauma victims and they've recognized that many people who are exposed to horrific experiences, they do seem to cope successfully. Eventually. I mean, it probably takes tons of time and tons of work but eventually people can thrive people can i guess that's a bullshit speech to give someone when they're in the eye of the storm if you just lost a family member to a tragedy and you tell them hey you'll bounce back it'll be fine it doesn't sound great in the moment but if we're just being objective it's true it is true for the most part you don't forget you become at peace with things as days become weeks become months become years I think pain can become dull. And I also think that's a good thing. You don't want to forget whatever it was that put you in a low place. You don't want to erase your memory, but the idea of it being a little softer, a little lighter, I think that's uplifting for some people to know that just time is a healer. Sounds like I'm speaking in general terms right now. This all sounds kind of vague, but it has been on my mind like crazy lately. These two tragedies in my world have caused me to lose sleep. And I'm already losing sleep. And when you lose sleep, you're just in a blur of a day. It's just a fog. You can barely pay attention. You just do it again and again and again. I guess empathy and compassion, all these words that you feel for others and other families that are suffering, I guess ultimately it's okay. All these things are just okay. Because if you sign up for life, if you go, okay, I'm going to do this thing called life then you know that some shitty things could be around the corner. Too dark. I should start this over. It's a dark start to episode 152. I think I'm going to immediately detour. Um, This was on my mind recently. This is going to be dumb. You ready for something dumb? Uh, Craigslist? What the hell is happening? They've never updated their website. Just the blue font on the white background still? Isn't that crazy? Have you ever had that moment on Craigslist? Whatever you're looking for. Tickets, pets, furniture. 
We all go to Craigslist seven times a year, right? Is this relatable or no? Can you name anything else that has remained that stagnant? Every other website you've been to changes constantly. More bells, more whistles, more banner ads, more pop-ups, more glitz, more glam, more glitter. Craigslist, blue font, white background. What is it? Something's up. I'm not Googling this, by the way. Some of you probably know the reason. There's no ads. I don't see any ads. Is this even a business? Is this really just a guy named Craig who refuses to advance? Like he had a great idea many years ago in the 90s. And he's just like, all right, we're done. He plateaued hard. What if the world followed his model? Just we plateau. We're done. We stop advancing. Actually, I'd be fine with that. Isn't it too much lately? Aren't we advancing a little too much? With all the AI and the self-driving this and the automatic this. Come on. Craig, who are you? Is Craig a millionaire, a billionaire, or is he poor and not making a penny? Don't Google this. If you know, then I probably sound dumb. But I remember my first time going to Craigslist. I was visiting San Francisco. I was living in San Diego, visiting San Francisco. There was a Niners preseason game that all my friends were going to. They already had tickets. I didn't have tickets. And one of my buddies was like, just hit up Craigslist, dude. I was like, what does that mean? Who's Craig? And I go to this website, just type in 49ers preseason tickets. Guy had his address, phone number, you know, $25 ticket. I went to his apartment. I don't even know if I would do this nowadays. Does that mean I'm a very fearful person all of a sudden? Would you just go to someone's house to get a ticket, a stranger's house with cash? Would you sell someone a ticket to something from your home? I went to this guy's apartment in San Rafael, just knocked on the door. He answered. I think he was in his boxers. In my mind, he was. Okay, so in this story, he just answers in his boxers. Hey, are you here for the tickets? Yeah, fuckface, I'm here for the tickets. What are we doing? Who's Craig? Is Craig in there? Here, enjoy the game. And then he walks back into his apartment. A stranger, me, brings cash. Someone should have been stabbed in that transaction. How did nobody get stabbed? I came there with cash. He had preseason NFL tickets. He's wearing boxers. I know where he lives. We're strangers. Transaction. Is that happening all over the country thanks to Craig? For every smooth transaction, there's four stabbings, I believe. Hey, we're selling our lamp. Come on over. Bring cash. Here's our address. And clearly this is the beginning of a horror movie. Actually, that's not my point. My point is not that the transactions are dangerous. It's that the website is eerily similar to when I first went on. I mean, there's probably more items now, but I don't get it. I really don't. How's anyone making any money? It's the front of something, right? gotta be just the biggest prostitution ring something's happening it's not just about tickets pets and furniture something's going on this smells fishy all right craig this smells a little fishy all right we're not zooming anymore i'm actually back in the classroom in my mask breathing heavily into my mask in front of 35 teens who are breathing heavily into their masks but i think we're happy to be back i am i don't want to go back to zoom we even get emails weekly emails hey one of your students has covid And I just go, okay, you give me that email a year and a half ago, panic mode. You give me that email now, it's like receiving a late notice from the library. You just go, ah, ah, darn, okay. And then you just move on with your day. You go, all right, with vaccinations and masks, 
Hopefully I'm fine. That's all we can all say. Hopefully I'm fine. But we're shoved into these classrooms. I'm saying too many words into the mask. I'm going to faint. At some point I'm going to faint this year. I'll just be mid-sentence. And then the Roman Empire. Just going to wake up to a bunch of heads over me. What happened? Mr. Rosenberg, you were talking about the fall of the Roman Empire. And then you stumbled into your projector and... You bashed your face into Juan's desk pretty badly. Um, we don't know what to do, but does this mean no homework? Yeah, no homework. Everyone's dismissed. I'm going to faint hard at some point. There's no AC in my classroom, just masks. But I'm not complaining. I feel like that's the disclaimer. After everything I say, I'm just going to go, I'm not complaining though. I'm not complaining. It's fine. Hey, we're back in the classroom. First day of school though, I was amped. I'm like a teen still on the first day of school. Like, I will go to Kohl's and get a new outfit. I planned everything the night before. Lunch. Had the coffee grounds all set. Outfit laid out with the new Nike kicks. Made breakfast for the family in the morning. Got in my car. Right as I entered the highway. I graze my tongue over my teeth. And they feel fuzzy and holy shit, I forgot to brush my teeth. Am I a child? First day of school, I forgot to brush my teeth. Oh, it gets worse. At the end of the day, I go into the staff bathroom and I look at myself in the mirror. And yep, my shirt pocket buttons over my chest look like nipples were gently popping through my sweater the whole day. Okay, I was bad breath nipple guy. I'll say that one more time. I was wearing a thin sweater over a shirt that had pocket buttons over my chest and it looked... And like nipples were popping through. So that outfit will never be assembled again. And I'll never forget to brush my teeth. Why did I forget to brush my teeth on the first day of school? But, and this almost sounds like poetic justice, masks. I could have had the fattest zit on the tip of my nose. Could have had 65 cold sore. Oh God, sorry. But could have had cold sore, zit, forgot to brush your teeth. Masks, baby. Okay, you didn't know I was such an optimist. Masks. For these teens that are a little worried about a zit or a cold sore, masks, baby. I mean, the mask did nothing for my phantom nipples, but really, I care less about the occasional blemish this year. There's really only a few things that'll scare a teacher. Booger in the nose while teaching. That you don't know about. Because you know if you got booger in the nose. I'm constantly looking at the mirror. No booger in the nose. No booger in the nose. Okay, the kids can learn today. Zipper down. <gasps> Could you imagine forgetting to zip your fly coming out of the bathroom? Trying to get into the Renaissance and then the great painters and sculptors and no one's listening. So I'm good with that. Zipper's always up. Nose is always clear of boogers, but God, did I take a step back with nipples popping out of that thin sweater. Hey, I got to bring something up. You sitting down for this? Hold on. Maybe I should take a break and shake up a Manhattan. You do the same thing. Should we do it? Let's shake up a couple Manhattans, huh? Get the fucking bitters in vermouth. Find the bourbon in the back. Let's do this. All right, actually, that's a little too ceremonial. I'm overhyping this, but uh, the new Obama documentary on HBO Max, it's a three-part series. It's really good. Obviously, HBO 
documentaries are usually pretty damn good. Episode two is all about race. Now, I watched the Obama documentary. Even though I lived through all of it, I find myself going, wow, I forgot about that. Or I never knew that. That's me watching the Obama documentary. Well, they have footage of that. He said that. I don't remember this interview. That's just me. I guess I was so focused on sports and sports radio that I barely remember any of his campaign or the lead up to his inauguration. So I learned a lot. But episode two is all about race. And there was one point where a lot of people in the black community were questioning, is he black enough? Is he going to connect with the urban communities throughout America? And truly, Obama didn't care. He's like, I'm just going to be me. You all can evaluate me on any grounds you want, any criteria you have, but I'm just going to be Barack Obama. How about that? However, it seemed like Michelle, when she was giving speeches, Michelle Obama, it seemed like she was reminding people, yeah, we're black enough. Okay, to the African-American voters out there wondering, where is Obama from? Hawaii? Kenya? When he was still being questioned, is he Muslim? Who is this guy? Michelle went on her own tour and said, oh yeah, we're black enough. I'm from the inner city Chicago area where my grandma had a plastic covered couch. Pause. I actually paused. I hadn't thought about a plastic covered couch in so long, since the early 90s. You thought I was actually going to get into politics, his policies, his ideologies? No. Just the fact that she was connecting her grandma's plastic covered couch to why the Obamas were black enough, I was stunned. And I know E-40 had it in one of his lyrics too. Off that Hall of Game album that was so fucking good. Are you kidding me? E-40's Hall of Game? When he says, and don't you dare sit on grandma's plastic over couch. Thus E-40, he's always rapping like that. And don't you sit on grandma's plastic over couch. Some things will never change. That's just the way it is. But if I could bring a Vachi Kupelian for the 24th time this year, the Kupelian family had a plastic-covered couch. And we never talked about it. We just went to Vachi's house from time to time, sat on the couch in our shorts, giving you that sweaty thigh feeling where you're like, this is gross. I remember eating cereal on their plastic-covered couch, dripping milk on purpose, like, fuck it. I'm going to drip a bunch of milk on this bitch. What is this couch? What's the psychology behind it? I went on Amazon, by the way, 25 bucks to answer your next question. How much is a plastic covered couch? Plastic covers for your sofa. If you love your sofa that much, where you don't care about being judged by guests, or you're just like, we're going to preserve this forever. That floral pattern is so beautiful. We're not going to allow anyone's crumbs to hit it. Who cares about your sofa that much? What is this, Lenin in the mausoleum? What is this, Vladimir Lenin in the mausoleum in Moscow or something, babe? It's not a good Dennis Miller. I'm going to work on it right here. What is it, Vladimir Lenin in a mausoleum in Moscow? Hop, hop. Embalming your couch, preserving your couch to that level. Holy shit, Michelle Obama. What are you really saying about your grandma? Enough with this is a black thing, a white thing. By the way, the Kupelians are Armenian, okay? So I think there's plenty of white families who also buy these plastic slip covers for their couches. But we need to break down the psychology. You go to a furniture store, you fall in love with the couch, you sit on it, and then what do you say? All right, let's ruin it. Let's still buy it, but let's make sure it's always uncomfortable and always ugly. 
That's the psychology. There it is. I just broke it down. It's not even you want to preserve it. It's just you're so okay turning something beautiful into something so ugly. Think about the amount of things that you own that you like. If you put plastic covers, all right, enough with this, enough with this. Have a sip of your Manhattan. All right, this rant, in my opinion, it fell flat. I thought it was going to be hot, okay? It started with Obama. Maybe I should have mentioned something else about the Obama documentary, but instead I just, I'm going to abort. I'm done. We're moving on. We ordered caterpillars online. We did it. You can order caterpillars and a lot of animals online, but we ordered these and you put them in a little cage and they become butterflies. And my daughter walked by one day and one of the caterpillars, after the chrysalis becomes a butterfly, and I said, Myla, come over here. Check it out. Look, what should we name it? And she just walked right by and said, Cindy, and kept walking. What? Cindy, how perfect. What? She wasn't even like fascinated that these caterpillars we bought became butterflies. What should we name it? Cindy kept walking to the bathroom. Holy shit, she's a woman. She owns the house now. If you name a butterfly Cindy that quickly, that's the type of confidence of a young Michael Douglas starring in the hit movie Falling Down in theaters in the early 90s. But then we released all the butterflies. This story's probably no good. It's a little too cutesy and maybe who cares boring, but I'm going with it. And then we release all the butterflies and it was this exhilarating moment and my wife's filming it. We go, goodbye, and I'm naming all of them. Goodbye, Tyrone. Goodbye, Gary. Goodbye, Cindy. It's like a Disney moment. My daughter's releasing her butterflies. And then the video ends with her just crying her eyes out. I have a feeling like that's the one. That's like the defining video we're going to show her throughout her life. It's all the emotions at once. This is one big advertisement for Caterpillars online, though. You could buy them. You just can the amount of shit you could buy to create science projects in your home right now? Come on. You could dissect frogs tonight. We used to wait, what, 7th, 8th grade? You just waited all year in science class till when you could dissect a frog. Forget waiting. Bring it to your kid right now. Just order a dead frog online. It'll be at your house tomorrow. Covered in formaldehyde. What did we learn? Don't they realize that when 11 and 12-year-olds dissect something in science class, they literally don't learn anything? It's the old parents ask you, how was school today? You say, I dissected a frog. Oh, how was that? Fine. I just had a dead frog on my desk and ripped the legs off. So that's science. Oh, yeah. Is that science? All right. I wrapped up two of the best shows I've ever seen in the last month. Dave, have you seen Dave on Hulu? Have I ever talked about Dave? How have I not done a full podcast on Dave? Lil Dicky. Loosely based on his real life. Lil Dicky? How could a show about rap be so Jewish? I'm asking you that question. How could a show on television about a rapper be that Jewish? I ask people, hey, did you see the Bar Mitzvah episode? It's about a rapper and he's good. I don't think it's a joke. I don't think he's like Weird Al Yankovic, like a joke. I think he's talented. Is he a joke? I don't know. Reminds me of everybody I met at Jewish summer camp. He looks like everybody I met at Jewish summer camp. And he's a pretty good actor. Have you heard of Lil Dicky? If you haven't, the show's for you. Dave, season two, it was so weird. He is heterosexual in the show, but there's definitely a scene where he rests his balls against his friend's face. And you go, where's this going? That was episode two or three with Benny Blanco. That was a weird episode. I think most people who saw that episode were wondering, should we continue? 
Like season one was very good, but he definitely just rested his balls against his friend's face. And this scene needs to end. Takes a lot to make me uncomfortable with a comedy. But that episode, I almost said, uh, yeah, go outside, get some fresh air. But I continued. It ended strong. Dave was hot. I couldn't be more in the demographic for that show. And then the other one, White Lotus. The White Lotus on HBO. Did you catch that six-part series? I've never been so into a show immediately. Six-part series, my wife and I are like, what's this? White Lotus. Put it on for 10 seconds. I'm like, yep, it's gripping. I like the cast. You got Steve Zahn, Jennifer Coolidge, Stifler's mom. Okay. Got that pretty girl from a remake of Baywatch? Okay, I googled her. I didn't know that. It's on her Wikipedia. You got the guy from Obvious Child who played Plop on the last season of The Office. You have a girl from Euphoria. I don't know. It's just a bunch of actors where you go, oh, they're from that? They're from that? They're from that? So here's the spoiler alert. All right, you ready? Gotten butters. We're getting into it. I'll give you my recap. I'll give you my assessment of the White Lotus. And I'll do it to... uh, to a song you might like by this guy, Ian Walker. Let me set the bed. Let me set the bed. ICW. All right, we're dancing in my chair. The White Lotus? I'm going to be saying some things right now, and if you have no clue what I'm talking about, you never heard of this show, this is going to get weird. Oh, White Lotus. The White Lotus. Everyone's coming up in the boat. The big staff from this fat resort. Is it Waikiki, Kauai, Maui, the big island, Oahu? I don't know. Nobody knows, but that's Armand. He's running the show. Armand? Oh, buddy. He is battling sobriety hard through six episodes. He's fighting sobriety. Like people used to fight for home run balls from the bat of Barry Bonds and McGovey's Gulf. Holy shit, Armand, you're about to get stabbed with that pineapple knife. Why did you put the pineapple knife in everybody's hotel room? I've never felt so okay about somebody being stabbed on a TV show. You took a shit in his suitcase. You didn't give him the right room, Armand. And things got weird, okay? I think you abused your power. You took the drugs from the girl's backpack. We know it and you know it. Speaking of the girls, speaking of the girls, this woke idea, we're not buying it. The word woke is now officially, officially a negative. I used to think it was good. I used to. I think, oh, woke. That sounds good. But these two girls ruined it. And I'll explain why. Pick me up. Take me down. The journalist is going to stay with Plop after his mom, played by Molly Shannon, came on the honeymoon. Uh, honey, that's when you leave the marriage early. You don't take the same flight home. You don't stay with the guy. It doesn't work. He's too waspy. That Ivy Leaguer's going to ruin your life. A trophy wife? Is that the life you want to live, Alexandra Daddario? Because I googled your name and you're on a remake of Baywatch. And I think your eyes are very nice. But I think we all know you should have left the marriage a long time ago. Stifler's mom, Jennifer Coolidge, is on this show. I don't know why. Didn't Belinda deserve a business? Didn't Belinda deserve a business? You fucked her. You promised her something, and instead you kept fucking Napoleon Dynamite's Uncle Rico. That's right. He's not from Black Lives Matter. She heard he was from BLM. She thought it meant Black Lives Matter. No, Stifler's mom. 
He's from some Bureau of Land Management and he's dying. And that's how you're going to spend your last days at the resort with your mom's ashes that you can't even dump. We don't even understand how complicated your relationship was with this lady, but we do know that you got to just dump him into the ocean and get on with your life. Okay. Give Belinda a real check for $1 million and get the fuck out. Sorry, that storyline did nothing for me. Okay. Now we should probably just listen to ICW. Bring it right here. Bring it hard. Yes, the White Lotus. There shouldn't be a season two, though. We don't need it. I think you just retire that plot right now. It's pretty good. Give them some Emmys, too. I mean, it was good. All right, let me break down one aspect of this that maybe people who didn't watch the show will understand. So it's all based around a family. It's kind of based around one family that's on vacation in Hawaii and everything goes wrong. But the daughter brings a friend And they're just so woke, the woke generation, right? It's a white girl from an affluent family and she's very aware of social discrimination and injustices in society and she's upset with her parents for using politically incorrect terminology. It's good. It's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I used to consider myself a member of this woke community. But when it's just, here's the problem, when it's just affluent white kids like the girl in White Lotus, You wonder how many of them would actually start over and commit to equality. Like if they could reset, if that's their goal, let's reset and establish a system, a society where everyone's equal, would they? And that actually plays out in the show. They're out to dinner and Steve Zahn, who plays the dad, Steve Zahn's kind of weird in the show. He's usually a comedian, usually a funny actor, but he's really serious and just damaged. Takes a punch in the scene, gets hammered has an interesting relationship with his son. This is the part of the podcast where you're like, what are you talking about? Is this a real show? It is a real show. But at one point, he just goes after his daughter. He's sick of hearing her complain about everything. And it's a cringeworthy scene, but it's a memorable scene because you know the writers of this scene were like, let's just rip the woke generation apart. And he's talking to his daughter. They're at this incredibly expensive resort hotel in Hawaii. And he's like, what do you want? Do you want us to just give it all back? Like this white guilt that you feel. Do you want us to just give all of our money away? And she's so appalled. And she and her friend who are supposed to be so sensitive, but they seem downright evil as well throughout the whole show. She's just appalled with her dad for being a white guy with some money who's not sensitive enough to the plight of minorities who have been marginalized throughout the history of the world. And it's actually an indictment on what the idea of America eventually became. Because the idea was good, right? Detached from the monarchy, set up a system of democracy, a republic with liberty and justice for all. It sounds good. But the way it unfolded where, okay, we had slavery at the beginning. And that definitely had a lasting impact. And women weren't really a part of the system. They couldn't vote until about 1920. And that had a lasting impact. And the way a lot of immigrants were treated... And the way segregation was forced upon so many communities, and that had a lasting impact. And now there is a generation 
of young white people from affluent backgrounds who feel guilty and they want to be activists. They want to do a lot. They want to make changes. That's good. Okay, if you're an activist and you want to make changes and you care about equality, that's truly good. I mean, that I'm on board with fully. Fully. But this scene where Steve Zahn is going after his daughter, the old, do you want us to give the money away? Do you not like the fact that you're on vacation in Hawaii and you have everything at your disposal? I thought it opened up a discussion. That's all I'm saying. It opened up a discussion with how genuine are a lot of people who consider themselves woke because we're posting the right things on our Instagram accounts and we're saying the right things publicly. But there are times where it feels a little disingenuous. And that's where you hear the discussion about it's not just enough to be inclusive, but you have to work towards anti-racist measures. We'll see. Did the show White Lotus actually caused me to go that deep into analyzing American culture and what it has become for young guilty people learning about this history and feeling disgusted with it. You were hoping I would make a point. Me too, but I'm tired as fuck, so I'm just going to go to bed. I'm honestly just going to go to bed. I'm going to stop recording right now. I'm going to go to bed, and then my next episode, it'll... Just be better, because I'll be back in the rhythm. This was no rhythm. We all know this wasn't a rhythm. So I'm just going to brush my teeth. I promise I'll actually brush both top deck and bottom deck of teeth. And then I'll go dream about scary shit, because that's what I've been doing lately. And then I'll wake up in the morning in this hamster wheel of a life and count my blessings and feel grateful and try to not get stranded on the side of a road in a loner car. Fuck, that happened. Okay, we're out. That's it. Uh, episode 152. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.